When Diego Sanchez hired an obviously bogus coach in 2019, most fans didn't bat an eyelid. I mean, we're honestly kind of numb to that sort of thing. Not only has mixed martial arts been a magnet for unusual characters, but Sanchez himself falls into that category. With that said, nobody could have predicted just how bizarre the Joshua Fabio story would ultimately turn out to be. Over the course of two years, Fabio would take control of Diego's life, flaunt an exceptional ego, and in propagating countless ludicrous conspiracy theories, would make the love child of Eddie Bravo and Alex Jones look like a skeptic by comparison. I'm Rob from MMA on Point and this is the story of Joshua Fabia in MMA. Diego's unfortunate history with unscrupulous characters in many ways foreshadowed Fabia's arrival. In 2008, Sanchez befriended former MMA fighter Dan Quinn, believing Quinn's claims that stevia, the sugar substitute, could not only fuel rockets but was a miracle cure for basically everything. You know what? I advise everybody out there to pay attention to what I'm saying. Stevia is the cure. He started drinking stevia, just tons of it, and um, it transformed his body. And there's been other miracles like his cat and his uncle and uh, my girlfriend Allie. This may be um, a miracle plant. He'd then fall into the classic rock and roll lifestyle, trusting his finances to a supposed friend who would eventually embezzle him for over $150,000. He'd subsequently get duped again, this time by a woman who told him he was the father of her child. And while it was incidentally what got him clean, a paternity test would later prove that there were no blood ties. Now fast forward to 2019 and his life was once again in turmoil. With his athletic peak in the rear view, he was confronted with the existential crisis practically all aging fighters eventually face and his personal life was deteriorating as a result. There's a lot going on in my life at this time and um, not only that, I um, was going through a divorce, you know, I had been living this MMA life for a long time and um, yeah, I, it, it's hard and it's rough and um, I, pushed, I pushed my ex-wife away because she was pushing me towards retirement and she didn't want to see me get hurt. You know, I, I took it as, you're giving up on me, you don't believe in me and we went our separate ways. He'd also alleged that he was now an afterthought at Jackson Wink, and while that's a real phenomenon at large gyms, remember, Sanchez had defended Jackson Wink when Donald Cerrone made similar accusations in 2018. It's important to note that these claims came after Sanchez had been with Fabia for months. Either way, Fabia, like any cult leader worth their salt, would arrive at the right time and for the right person in need. They met 10 days before Sanchez beat Mickey Gall at UFC 235, and while not in the corner having only worked with Sanchez for less than a fortnight, Fabio would nevertheless take credit for an admittedly solid performance. The first one that I'm involved in is the best fight he's had in 10 years. Nobody wants to acknowledge and give me credit for that, but if I'm obviously the only thing new, it might be that. And thus, the grift had begun. Ahead of his next bout versus Michael Chiesa, Sanchez would reveal that he had left Jackson Wink entirely in favour of his new guru. Mike Winklejohn would later disclose that he and the team had got fired after he challenged Fabia's quote, comical training methods. It would also be an understatement to say that the MMA community was sceptical like Winklejohn because one, if we're good at anything, it's sniffing out purveyors of bullshitsu and this guy stunk to high heaven, and two, his website screams, 
I'm a con man. While you can look at his decidedly vague methods and stupidly expensive transformation packages, it's his story for me that stands out because it's clearly fabricated. He purports that when he was just 9 years old, he worked with his grandfather to a quote, remarkable 85% full recovery. Fucking Joshua Fantana over here, what? 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, the real point is, he'd failed to mention that his grandfather would actually pass away two years after his apparent recovery. Regardless, unfortunately where Diego was at, none of this mattered and you can understand why. Firstly, Joshua offered the attention that Jackson Wink apparently didn't. And secondly, I guarantee that Fabia told Diego exactly what he wanted to hear and ergo ostensibly lent the support Sanchez felt his ex, who was clearly just looking out for him, didn't. Anyway, Joshua would indeed serve as the lone cornerman for the Kies fight, but it wasn't Diego's lopsided loss that made headlines, it was Fabia's exploits both cage side and behind the scenes. To put it nicely, his corner work wasn't the best, but whatever, that was expected. I mean, his inclusion there in the first place was already controversial, particularly because he was on his own. Although he would argue that since he was the lone coach in the camp, no other counsel was needed cage side, which is fair enough, I guess. He'd also demonstrate why having fewer cornermen is a good idea regardless. I just want you to relax and stay right there, watch what happens. How do you feel? You feel good? You feel like you can, you're gonna feel good about performing? None of this feels good. Does this feel good? It's pressure. Yeah, that was uh, weird. Anyway, what was notable about Fabi's corner work was that it served as inspiration for Joe Rogan to eviscerate him on his podcast. He had the one guy in his corner telling him, be like Tyson, go out in there and be like Tyson. No fucking way did he say that. <laughs> yes, he did. He was giving him weird advice. This is voodoo coach. Oh, this is his This coach. is the voodoo coach that would be Diego Sanchez's corner. No one else. This dude has no experience as an MMA coach, by the way. So this is the dude that's telling him to be like Tyson. He's so, being like water right now. You what see is he that doing? slip? That oh, slip? Bro. Oh. Well... Touch butt, touch butt. <laughs> and strangely enough, this would turn out to be significant because it would compel Fabia to reveal his true nature, which is that he's a massive conspiracy theorist with a victim mentality. He would habitually refer back to Rogan, intimating that any criticism was a function of Joe's influence. In other words, he alleged that Rogan had galvanized a media smear campaign against him. It truly starts from Joe Rogan's dumbass talking out of turn slandering somebody. That's part of the narrative being spilt when Joe Rogan's putting up, I don't know who he's got. I don't know. I don't know this guy. So then saying all this has set the tempo for everybody to repeat it since we're in a copycat culture. Fabio would then later imply that the UFC were involved too, alleging that they had funded the creation of fake profiles, bots essentially, to slander him online. So this astroturfing thing that clearly you have to have money to do to put the slander on the amount of content, negative context on all of our posts so nobody sees our posts. That's fucking with the big term analytics and messing with the masses manipulated minds. If you think it, it's the UFC that's out to? I don't know at this point, at this point, our lawyers will be getting back to us with the end of our cyber investigation. I mean, I don't care at this point the specifics. I, I'm, I'm not dumb. Clearly, the billion-dollar industry is not dumb. They're going to distance themselves from connected legality and liability. And then there was his strange behavior behind the scenes of his first fight week. Firstly, Emil Mech, who joined the Sanchez camp for a session, would reveal that one of Fabio's drills saw him chase the athletes around with a blade. Oh, okay, 
When confronted about it, Fabio would have forced resort to a whataboutism, one of his trademark tactics. A whataboutism, by the way, is a rhetorical maneuver used to deflect tough questions by raising often irrelevant charges. And yeah, he used that technique a lot. So Emil says, I chased him with a knife and I had him locked in an octagon. But yet I have video proof the octagon is open. You begged to come train with us. And instead of saying the truth of, hey, yeah, actually, uh, we trained with Diego. We did Shark Tank with him, disadvantaged. I was starting out having his back over and over on drills and he was owning me. Judging these weird drills might be because that's what you wanted to talk about. You didn't want to talk about that Diego was manhandling you. Anyway, he'd eventually try to defend the session with logic best summed up by the iconic Patches O'Houlihan. Just replace wrench with knife and ball with punch. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? Oh! Oh! Anyways, he wasn't done there. Just hours before the fight, he'd tell the commissioners that he taught Sanchez a quote, death choke, claiming he learned it from paramilitaries, although it's probably more likely he learned it from watching Stone Cold Steve Austin. He'd later suggest that he warned the commission to ostensibly level the playing field. This was because he could sense that the referee was planning on screwing over Diego since he had over-explained the intelligently defending yourself rule. Nonsense, I know. But I'll tell you what, while I'm unconvinced by the death choke, Fabian definitely taught Diego this. I'll tell you about a dangerous position I was in in this fight. Okay. We were in the switch position and Diego was going for this move called a butt drag. And I could feel he was butt dragging me and you know, that's whatever. But all of a sudden he, I don't know if he meant to intentionally do it, but he literally, he, his fingers touched my butthole. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I yelled at him like, get your fingers out of my ass, motherfucker. <laughs> Talk about right out of skill to self-awareness playbook. Because he can still resist this. He's still able to move. I'm gonna shorten the movement by grabbing his balls. So now it's done. You understand? It's done. Because I have his balls in his throat. Okay, pretty simple. Balls in the throat. Anyway, Sanchez would bounce back with a fortuitous DQ victory over Michel Pereira. And much like in the Chiesa bout, Fabio would be singled out for his questionable corner work. Joshua would once again blame the apparent Rogan-initiated smear campaign before twisting the narrative by suggesting that it's arrogant to tell an athlete what to do during a fight anyway. How dare I tell Diego what specifically in that context of speed, of unpredictability, what to do? He will have to make that judgment call in the moment as the moment is happening. He'd also opined that he didn't think qualifications were necessary to coach an elite fighter. I shit you not. But just asking plainly, what are your qualifications to corner someone for a high level MMA fight? What would you say? I didn't know there was a necessary qualification. That's the first thing that I'd say. Now, all of this was obviously ridiculous, right? Fabio was quite clearly trying to keep the illusion alive, so he attempted to diminish the fact that he didn't know what he was doing in the corner, nor did he have any credentials to speak of. Oh, except for... I was on the first kindergarten rugby league in Christchurch, New Zealand. Anyway, his lack of, well, everything when it came to MMA coaching wouldn't lessen his ego. And that was clear when he took credit for turning Diego into a defensive maestro akin to perhaps the greatest defensive boxer ever. If you watch the video on Diego Sanchez's IGTV, you will see he blocks, evades like it's Mayweather level, it's McGregor level. He would then say this. And instead of being seen as a person who is able to step into this space cold, no background keep up and actually help do something you know i don't know what do they what do they call that uh pioneering right 
They, they, they say uh, you're changing, game-changing, right? All these things. How come nobody said that out loud? That's right. MMA pioneers, Hoist Gracie, Kazushi Sakuraba, Ken Shamrock, Joshua Fabia. Anyway, he then basically paint himself as Sanchez's savior, as well as a martial arts philanthropist. You guys have uh, attacked the guy that's dedicated to help not only Diego, because he needed help because he wasn't getting it. I don't train fighters. I'm not trying to deal with just warriors. I don't deal with a singular market, man. Anyway, it's this claim that he's helping Diego out of the goodness of his heart and that he's the only one willing. That is, for me, the most egregious part of their relationship. It's also the most cult-like. The fact is, he's profited immensely. And while it's impossible to quantify, we can certainly scratch the surface. On the date of recording, the School of Self-Awareness has less than 6.5k Instagram followers. Diego, on the other hand, has over 312k, plus 117k on Twitter. And throughout their relationship, his accounts were basically proxies for Fabius. Moreover, in interviews, Diego, usually nudged by Fabia, would regularly shill for the School of Self-Awareness and its sensei. Fabia would habitually cut in too, like he did on the Mike Swick podcast, where he hijacked Diego's interview and went on a near one hour long, uninterrupted sales pitch. Be aware, be ready, be strong. And um... so, so tell them what School of Self-Awareness will teach you with this online course. Go ahead, tell them, since you're the guide in the course, Diego. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you to get in more detail about the School of Self-Awareness and, and, and sell it on to the people that don't know about it. Uh, I'll, I'll do it for Diego. Go ahead. Go ahead. Easier. Yeah, definitely. The first thing to understand is, and it believes that one person can change the world when you start with yourself. That's it, man. Cool. This carry-on was constant too. Every interview would eventually turn into an infomercial. I would like you, sir, with your beautiful reading voice, to read this testimonial from a federal marshal, U.S. federal marshal, here in New Mexico, in America, in the real Breaking Bad, where real shit happens. Please, sir, let them know that Mr. Diego has not been bamboozled. CTE, guys. This, this, it's pretty long. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Anyways, then there was the OnlyFans, which was problematic for a multitude of reasons. Sanchez and Fabia apparently had an equal stake in it, and that was already ridiculous because nobody was subscribing for the latter. Although, that wasn't its biggest issue. OnlyFans, thanks to its biggest creators, is known primarily for explicit content. Joshua and Diego, however, were adamant that their side had nothing to do with that. It was simply a place where fans could get a behind-the-scenes look at a UFC fighter. But here's the thing, Fabio couldn't help himself and he, well, he started posting these descriptions to entice potential subscribers. Quotes like, you know you like that little tight butt. What kind of training video is that exactly putting out there? I like how you're in the media and you don't know that market. I don't think I have to explain why that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. There's a difference between Diego Sanchez and Paige Van Zandt. I'll leave it at that. Anyways, that wouldn't be the last we'd see of Fabia's business chops because he'd released this video on OnlyFans, evidently thinking it was a win. How much do you want for the side follow? I mean, I mean, obviously this is, you want a bigger cut? No, no, not a bigger cut. Not a bigger cut. No, not a bigger cut. You don't have the right to even call the cut on this. And so the same way you wanted to play 90-10, 
We're at 90 fucking 10. Okay, so this is a deal. That's what I'm saying. Because I'm getting irritated. Okay, well, I'm okay. irritated. So I'm, I'm so saying, no, 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 you shut up and listen to me, goddammit. All right, because I'm sick and tired of your bullshit. Oh, I'm bullshit. This is it. I'm bullshit. 150,000. So okay, this is it. We have a contract. Yeah, we do. And you so do. we're and uh, you also, yeah, yeah, we're also in a contract, but I'll call the right. lawyer, and you got us involved with somebody that you're not a viable fucking business. You're not making real money. You got us under false contracts. Anyway, in September of 2020, Sanchez would lose to Jake Matthews in arguably his worst performance ever. Moreover, he looked noticeably out of shape, which makes you question just how hard he was being pushed in training. Maybe Coach was too preoccupied dealing with the Rogan-led conspirators like Matsira, who we confronted on Fight Week. I'm being brought up and you don't even want to say my name. How about this? How about this? Honestly, I don't even know your fucking name. We'd later find out that that wasn't the only skirmish he had that week either, but more on that later. Diego's next fight will be booked for May of 2021 against Donald Cerrone, his former training partner. Now on the last fight of his UFC deal, Sanchez and Fabio would bill it as Diego's retirement fight, although they would use the R word extremely loosely. Sometimes they talk of retirement proper only to backtrack and call it a UFC retirement with subsequent fights possible. Despite the mixed messages, however, they were clear that it all came down to preserving Diego's long-term health. But there was something more sinister at play. On April 28, 2021, news broke that Sanchez was out of the fight against Cerrone. Then the following day, Sanchez would take to Instagram to post a video recording of his production meeting for the Matthews fight. It would start out normally with Diego going through the usual pre-fight questions, and then Fabio cut in. Hey, real real quick guys, just because you don't know who the hell I am, and you guys heard a lot of shit talk and all the good stuff. Cut his long drawn out lecture short, under the guise of defending Diego, he whined about the broadcast team ostensibly treating him unfairly. You know, the smear campaign, blah blah blah. But Paul Felder and Megan O'Leary were having none of it. Nobody's gonna know what the fuck you're talking about. You don't know? You don't no. know, you know what I'm referring to? No, I don't know what you're referring oh, to. Okay. And I haven't called one of Diego's fights. Oh, it's not happened. my job to to talk about what the public is talking about outside. It's my job to talk about this athlete. You this this is, is not about you. This is Diego's fighter meeting. News would then break the following day, reporting that Diego had been released by the UFC, prompting Sanchez to take to Instagram to post another video. This time a recorded phone conversation between Fabia and the UFC's chief legal officer, Hunter Campbell. In short, Fabia had requested an exhaustive list of all of Sanchez's injuries, leading to the follow-up with Campbell. You stated that the quote, long-term effects of Diego being an MMA fighter were your basis for requesting it. I went through this with Mark Hunt, and here's the reality. If you're concerned or he's concerned that he's having negative effects, then we're not gonna fight him, and I'm gonna pull the fight right now and we're going to call it a day and we'll release him and he can go do something else with his life because I'm not putting anybody in that cage that doesn't feel 100%. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'll send an email to you guys. I'm going to express my concerns. Okay. I need a confirmation in writing that he's physically able to compete. He's not suffered any effects of being an MMA fighter. He doesn't feel like he has any brain issues or cognitive issues. I got to go through the whole battery that I go through with everybody that sort of makes a claim that you, at least they're telling me that you made in this situation. According to reports, Sanchez had passed his pre-fight medicals, but after Campbell emailed his attorney asking for the said written confirmation, the response was evidently insufficient, leading to the UFC ultimately releasing the tough one winner. And I think Fabia's intentions were pretty explicit here. 
he wanted to sue the UFC. Middle Easy would even publish a report the day before the Hunter call surfaced, corroborating that claim. According to a source, Fabio wanted Diego to continue fighting so he could then spin the idea of him competing beyond his prime with the UFC's blessing. And if you paid attention to what Joshua had been saying for months, the signs were there. Not only would he constantly bring up the fact that Diego had taken a ton of damage in his career, but he'd also alleged that the UFC had booked Sanchez into mismatches near the end. Uh, what I'm saying outsize now matches, you know, 10 year difference. How about six? How about five? Shit, can we get a guy in his mid thirties? What's going on? Can we can we not slaughter Diego on national like on ESPN in his home fucking town and nobody thinks this is rude? Anyway, now released and with retirement off the table, I guess, Sanchez would post on Instagram that he was free at last, tagging the likes of one championship and Bellator, although their president Scott Coker would confirm that he wouldn't sign the tough one winner. More evidence would subsequently emerge about the level of control Fabia had over Diego, with multiple UFC employees employees telling Yahoo Sports that they were concerned that Fabio was controlling Sanchez's social media, telephone and email accounts. Diego would then give his first post-UFC interview to SiriusXM and it was in equal parts disturbing and emotional. This was when he revealed how he pushed his wife away and how Fabia entered his life. However, the most devastating part was when he spoke about his UFC release. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this to Dana White. Man, I tried for two years to get a meeting with you. Oh shit. I, I was the first ultimate fighter. I mean, I mean, didn't that show do something for the company when it was $60 million in debt? Oh, oh, all those fight on the nights. Oh, all that TV time, Spike TV, Fox TV, all the, all ESPN, all of them. And, and you can't meet with your boy. You don't want to talk to me. You don't want to talk to my batshit crazy manager. Why? Because he might bring some light. He might bring some awareness to what you're hiding in the dark. Well, I, I'm still open to meet with you, Dana. Be a fucking man. Be a real fucking boss. When I've bled, I've sweat, I fucking cried for this fucking company. I fucking sacrificed more than you will ever know. And you can't fucking have a 45 minutes to meet with it. And for me, it's difficult to know how to feel about this. Taking Fabia out of the equation, do I think the UFC could have handled this situation a bit more gracefully? Y yeah, maybe. I mean, in an ideal world, they would guarantee that guys like Diego are set for life. But we can't take Fabia out of the equation and this isn't an ideal world. For what it's worth, Dana White has said that the UFC will always be there for Sanchez, but I can understand how that was impossible while Fabia, an apparently litigious hothead, was pulling the strings. And listening to Sanchez as he continued pushing his guru's outlandish conspiracies, including a new one which was arguably the craziest yet, it was clear Fabia was still the puppet master. I'm fearful, man. I'm fearful, I'm fearful for my motherfucking life. This billion dollar monopoly company worldwide is gonna come after me. Maybe I wrecked my truck, maybe something happened. Maybe I, 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 I oh, Diego overdosed on some suicide shit. I don't know. The duo would then appear on YouTube or John Gibson's channel. And while Gibson has since pulled the video, probably due to the backlash he received for being outrageously sycophantic, the interview quickly made headlines. Aside from this, why is nobody talking about that the reckoning happened and somehow Dana White gets to fuck fighters? How many female fighters has he had sex with? 
How many how many female fighters has Sean Shelby had sex with? Fabio, for the most part, would go back to his usual hits, primarily crying about the media being bullies. Sanchez would then reveal that because of this, he was forced to disown some family members. They subsequently make headlines less than 24 hours later when another training video surfaced online, this time featuring Sanchez hanging upside down while Fabio, who was apparently so concerned about Diego's brain health, punched, slapped and kicked him. So I guess he was telling the truth about this. I hit Diego 20 minutes a day. So his body understands impact. Also, why would Sanchez need to learn how to take shots anyway? As Fabio himself has often pointed out, Diego has been in some of the sport's most brutal wars. I think he's had enough practice. Anyway, this sparked universal condemnation from the MMA community as expected, but thankfully we would get some good news a couple days later when Sanchez enrolled in the professional athlete's brain health study. We'd then get some even better news a little over a week later when Diego confirmed he had ended his professional relationship with Fabia. While Sanchez wouldn't elaborate on the split, Fabio wasn't so tight-lipped. Appearing on the behind-the-scenes radio show, he'd claimed that he had ended the relationship, not Diego, before ripping into his now-former friend and student like an angry ex. You know, he had some celebrity asshole tendencies. You know, he didn't like tipping, and he did some weird stuff in front of me that, you know, threw up some red flags. He doesn't like tipping. Dude, he paid your bills. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Fabio would become more malicious as the interview went on, bringing up Sanchez's issues with addiction. And Diego has been an addict. He hadn't told anybody for the past five months I was his sponsor, living with him, that I had to live there because he was broke and lost all his money and, rag and, and strung out on Kratom and alcohol and 30 other substances. He would eventually, of course, return to his usual conspiracy theories, although now with a revised account of what happened in the locker room ahead of the Chiesa fight. Remember, he had previously said that the referee was planning on screwing over Diego, you know, Earl Hebner style. Now he claims Sanchez was actually asked to throw the fight. Commission comes in and leans on Diego and he has to throw a fucking fight. They told him he has to lose this bout. You go watch the fight and it's the only fight in Diego Sanchez's that, history that he never threw a punch. That's not that's not an answer. Anyway, he'd also reveal his apparent reason for cutting ties with Sanchez. And for me, this was the most reprehensible thing that came out of his mouth. Working for a guy that falsely represented himself as a regular person, as I get to more information as I'm with the lawyer and the lawyer Lawyer talks to Diego and asks Diego about his education, and it, and he starts talking about he was in special education. Holy shit, huge red flags, man. Now, I don't believe for a second that he initiated the split. Still, special education is a red flag. This dude is unapologetically depraved. Anyway, despite the assault, Diego wouldn't bite back. He would admit, however, what most people had theorized, that Joshua had full control over his social media accounts. This, of course, included the OnlyFans, which Diego confirmed he had no input in. Oh, and as of June 20th, 2021, the account is still active, although there have been no posts since late May. And that was the story of Joshua Fabia in MMA, and I sincerely hope it is the end. And I see a lot of people comparing his time in MMA to Steven Seagal's and 
I do get it, there are some parallels. Both were spurious martial artists who would constantly boast about their credibility without revealing anything of substance. However, after doing deep dives on Seagal and Fabia, link to my piece on Seagal in the description, I found that Fabia was infinitely more detestable, not to mention dangerous. Like Fabia, Seagal craved the limelight, but that's sort of where it ended for him. He at least had legitimate martial arts credentials, even though they were completely worthless in an MMA setting. Fabia, on the other hand, had none and he was insidious. I mean, there's a reason why he's been called cult leader. He knowingly took advantage of Sanchez in his darkest hour, fed him ridiculous conspiracies, while constructing an us versus them mentality which served to isolate Diego from his friends and family. And while Fabio was too self-obsessed to keep the grift alive, as he incriminated himself with footage he thought made him look good, his time in MMA remains a cautionary tale. Don't get it twisted, there are others out there. Some of them are, unfortunately, more intelligent too. So if we are to learn anything from Fabio's teachings, it's that fighters do need to be self-aware. That way they can understand why they're falling into a swindle and get out. Get out before they're pimped out on OnlyFans. Or worse. A big shout out to the hardcore casual Lawton Verkant for editing this video. You can follow him at Lawton underscore Verkant on Twitter. Make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. I will be back for more of these deep dives into some of MMA's more fascinating and oftentimes bizarre stories. But until then, you can follow me on Twitter at the Robert Pallant.